And as we think about losing our religion uh, today in this series, you know, nothing quite rocks us like trials. They leave us with huge questions that ask, where is God? You know, why are these things happening to me? They even cause us to question whether God is good or whether we have a good standing with him. And so a lot of these trials and struggles that we face leave us with very big questions that seem to have no great answers. After all, most people that that struggle with atheism, the, the number one objection that they throw out is, is why can there be a loving or how can there be a loving God when there is all this evil and suffering and pain in the world? And so we're looking for answers, we're searching uh, for hope, and all of these things leave us with questions. And I want to talk to you today uh, about why uh, I think what God has to offer us is better than answers. Because see, in, in situations like this, God offers us wisdom. And I want to talk to you specifically why wisdom is better than answers and, and why it's okay to lose some aspects of your religion. Because there are some things that we hold on to that we rely on in our faith that aren't really tied to Jesus at all. And so let's look at our first one today. The first reason why wisdom is better than faith is that wisdom gives us a bigger perspective. You ever thought about that? For a lot of us, um, our religion causes us to blame God when we face struggles. We have a small view of God. For some of us, we think maybe we've offended God and God's getting even with us. You know, God is a harsh, cruel person. That, that is bringing down, you know, his discipline. And, and we'll even tie scripture verses to this. And we'll see God as a, as a, not as a loving, compassionate father who's trying to redeem and restore his children, but we'll see him as somebody who is harsh, cruel, and demanding that will bring judgment at the, at the slightest or quickest opportunity that he can. But see, wisdom helps us to look at that information differently, and it gives us a bigger perspective, right? And, and why we need a bigger perspective is, is seen here in James chapter uh, 1, verse 5. It says that if any of you lacks wisdom, now he's coming off of considerate joy when you face trials of various kinds. You know, allow joy to be a part of that process and all of the other feelings. And then he's saying to move forward, to find answers, you need to ask for wisdom, and he says to ask God, right? What could be greater in perspective, our perspective, than God himself? Instead of questioning God, maybe we should bring our questions to God and ask him for wisdom to be able to see what God would have us do. Here are a few reasons why God offers us wisdom and not answers and why he wants us to look to him. Because, see, answers never really satisfy our need, right? When we look at pain and suffering in our life and we ask why, well, there's usually a scientific reason for it. You know, why am I sick? Well, I have cancer. It is a part of life. People get cancer. This is how we get cancer. All of the information tells us we have an answer. Why is there pain and suffering in the world? Because there are broken people in this world that inflict pain and suffering upon other people. We know that it exists. Whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God, nobody's left out. Everybody's treated the same. Pain comes to everyone. We know there are answers, but they don't really meet the need. Because, see, when we're really asking why is this happening and, and where are you, God, we're really saying, where's hope and how do I move forward? See, answers never really get to the need, but with Wisdom helps us see a bigger picture. It helps us to step outside of our life a little bit, look at a bigger context, and have a broader perspective on life. Because, see, information is mostly cold and harsh and never really brings any sense of peace or hope. 
Another thing that, uh, <clears throat> that wisdom is useful for is that pain, fear, and confusion skew our understanding, right? We don't see things clearly when we're hurting. The emotions get in there, and they're real. And, and you know, you can't just say, well, I just got to push my emotions aside and try to look at things objectively. And it's not healthy to detach ourselves emotionally from the pain we're feeling. It is part of the healing process. And if we try to detach, uh, detach or disassociate ourselves from that, it creates all kinds of other problems in our life. But the truth is... That pain, that fear, that confusion will always cause you to see things distorted. They're going to be real, but they're not going to be clear. They're not, they're not going to be helpful. And this is very important because things are not always the way we perceive them to be. They're not always the way we feel. For example, you know, for us, you know, my son, when he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, first day of kindergarten, I remember sitting in uh, the Barbara Davis Center for Child Diabetes Research and, <clears throat> and Treatment and going through two hours of information, the first round of information. There's four hours of information they give you on diagnosis day. And they took a break and said, you know, any questions? And, you know, for Andrea and I, we were just sitting there saying, so my son has diabetes. We, we were still two hours back. And the questions that I had for God were big. And there was a lot of pain, there was a lot of fear, and there was a lot of confusion. And for me, I'm wondering, God, if you're angry with me, because there's no way you can be angry with a five-year-old. If you're angry with me, this should be my burden. If you want to get even, you want to bring discipline, why my kid? That was like truth for me. But it wasn't the truth. It was a very real emotion and thought and feeling. But the pain, the fear, and the confusion was bringing me inward, and it was skewing how I viewed myself. It was skewing how I viewed my Heavenly Father, and ultimately was skewing how I could encourage my son, who was just as afraid and confused and hurt. See, it gets in the way, and it causes us to see things that aren't really true. And instead of realizing, like the Bible says, that your Heavenly Father is there catching your tears before they hit the ground, instead of seeing that truth, these feelings got in the way. Wisdom helps me to see that I have nowhere else to turn but to Him. And turning inward isn't the most helpful thing anybody can do when they're hurting because it gets really dark really quick. You know, another reason that we need a bigger perspective is that we're not always right. <laughs> you ever been wrong? Uh, all the time. Um, right? Am I, <laughs> I have to look at my wife. No, she's always right, but I'm always wrong. Just kidding. Um, but yeah, we're not always right. You know, it's, you, we're limited. We have, you know, limitations. We, we don't have all the information. We are not always right. And that gets in the way. And so we need a bigger 
perspective and rejecting him does nothing to help alleviate the pain and suffering that we're going through, does it? Right? Because wisdom is the ability to discern where our information and where our understanding is leading us. So it's like, I see what's happening to me. This is how I perceive it to be going down and why it's happening. But wisdom helps us check and say, okay, am I relying on, you know, is this, this accurate truth? Is this accurate? Is this a, a clear understanding? Or wisdom would say, you know what, I'm emotional right now. These feelings are very real. I'm not going to make major life decisions at this point in my life. I'm not going to make judgment calls about God or about myself. That's wisdom. Wisdom helps us see that, man, if I keep going down this dark road, I am not going to find any way out. I got to step back. I got I to... Start asking different questions. Instead of why, it's like, who can I lean into? Where can I turn for help? See, that's wisdom. It helps us to discern the direction we're heading and then allows us to ask very different questions. See, without that, we don't have a lot of hope. Which brings us to the second reason why wisdom is better than answers. Wisdom gives us hope to see past the moment. That's what wisdom does. And it does it in a way that doesn't diminish how you feel or what's going on around you. It becomes a presence, if you will, that exists with you in that struggle. Because the truth is, most of the things we face in life, we have to walk through. They're not, there's not a magic wand to take them away. And we know this, right? How many, how many times have you heard this bit of wisdom given to you when you're struggling? Time will heal all wounds. You ever heard that? Sounds great on your Facebook feed unless you're actually in a trial, you know. Uh, but it's wisdom. That's what somebody's saying. Take a look at it. This is a moment. Time will heal this. You're going to be fine. See, that's what wisdom is supposed to offer. It's supposed to offer us hope beyond this moment. To help us see a bigger picture, but see a better day that's coming down the road. Now, what we tie our wisdom to and where we get our wisdom from determines whether that actually becomes a reality or not. Because wisdom is only as good as the source that it's connected to. But wisdom is that ability, right? And where do we see this? We see this in the next part of James chapter 1, verse 5. It says, let them ask God, but let them ask in faith. See, that's what faith is. Faith is the ability, you know, or the willingness to trust God and believe that he is on the other side, that he is in the middle of what's going on, and that he has always been there and will lead you forward. Wisdom is, is putting your faith in God, trusting that he can, he's greater than this moment, which means that you have a hope and a future beyond the moment of struggle. See, this is what faith is about. It becomes very practical. It's like, I don't see this yet, but I trust this. And it's saying, we're not just to trust in this ideal that things are going to be a better day. It's saying, ask God and ask in faith. And so put your faith in the person you're asking. And that's where it gets really hard because we object because of our own expectations. Like, God, I thought you would do this. I thought you were that. I thought things would work out this way. My expectations were this and none of them happened. And so for a lot of people, they want to push away the only person that can help them have a bigger perspective. And so they lean into the world and they get what is called group think. 
You get what everybody else is scrambling to understand when they're struggling. And God is saying, listen, if you want a wisdom beyond that moment, you need to put your faith in me. And I want to help you understand why that's important because he goes on in the, in the rest of this verse and talks about why. Let him ask in faith, ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. That's what the Bible says. Ask God, ask in faith, you know, ask God who gives generously to all without faith. Let's uh, pick this apart a little bit. First thing is that Jesus gives. Why you should put your faith in God? Because he gives. And this word gives means that this is his character. This is a character statement. God is a giving God. He's not stingy. He's not withholding. He's not hiding. He's not up there cruelly watching your life fall apart around you. He didn't pull your name out of a hat today and say, great, your day's going to suck and I'm going to be the master of all of it. But a lot of people act and function and think like that. No, Jesus is giving Ask God who gives. This describes his consistent and constant nature. Israel rebelled and wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years, an 11-day trip to be in the land that God wanted them to be in, to experience his promise, and they rebelled for 40 years. And every stinking day, God gave. It's not based on how well you follow or listen. How well you follow or listen determines how well you receive what God gives. But the truth is, God is always giving. He always has been, always is, and always will be. It's a complete statement of His character. He gives to all. Now, that's really important for you to understand. All means all here. There's no hidden nuance in the Greek. There's not some subliminal meaning that all only means those, all those that love God or all those that God loves or all those that you know, God gives to all. Nobody is left without an invitation to come and ask for wisdom. He wants everyone and anyone, no matter who you are, where you are, where you've been, to come and he will give you wisdom. Why? Because Jesus gives to all generously. Generously. This is for the person that thinks that maybe God's got some favorites. The truth is, he doesn't have favorites. He gives generously, freely, without holding back. So it's not like God's up there saying, okay, I'm going to look at this on a case-by-case basis. You've come and asked me for wisdom your whole life. You've rejected me, not cared anything about me, and now you want to cry when it all falls apart. You know, I'm only going to give you a little bit, and I'm going to let you struggle some more. That's not God. That's worldly wisdom. Maybe that's how you would treat another human being, or maybe that's how you've been treated by another human being, but that is not God. God gives out of his character to all without exception, and he gives generously without holding anything back. You come to him and ask him for help, he will help regardless whether you created the mess or not. He will help. He's generous. And Jesus gives to all generously without finding fault. Oh, man. (laughs) You ever had somebody say, you know, I'm going to help you out this one time, but they're kind of hanging over your head all of the things and all the reasons why they shouldn't be helping you. You ever had that kind of help before? It's not really help at all. 
is not God. And again, I, I'm not adding to the Bible here. I'm just highlighting words that are on your page in your scripture. God gives generously to anyone and everyone without finding fault. If you ask him for wisdom, his passion and desire is to give it to you no matter what. See, for some, their religion keeps them from seeing God this way. And so if you're looking for meaning, you know, some sense of value in the struggle you're going through, maybe the meaning is you have some things that you're holding on to religiously that you need to let go of. Maybe you've lost the beauty that God is right there with you in the struggle. See, he gives generously to all without finding fault. He doesn't make light of your need. He doesn't hold your failure, sin, and selfishness over your head. His support doesn't come with a lecture or punishment. He simply comes because you've asked, because you're his child. Third reason why wisdom is better than answers is because wisdom gives us stability and clarity. The rest of the verse goes on here in verse 6 and through 8. It says, let him ask in faith. And so it, it's reiterating this idea of asking in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Now, most of us read this and then we feel this overwhelming sense of condemnation and guilt. It's like, well, are, are, you, are you trying to tell me that God is condemning me for struggling with what and who to believe? Now listen, if you step back up to that previous point, we talk about how religion sometimes skews us from seeing God as a giving God to all people who is generous and won't find any fault. If we skip past that part and we don't lose and check our religious baggage and believe God for who he says he is in his own word, then we will feel condemned. So with that being said, that interpretation of that verse cannot be true. When God says, in asking faith with no doubting, he's not criticizing people for having questions. That's not the kind of doubt we're talking about. See, the kind of doubt we're talking about is the kind of doubt that says, I see who you are, I see what you're saying, and I don't want anything to do with you. I doubt that you will actually do what you say you will do, God. It's the idea of of unbelief. I refuse to believe. Not, God, I'm struggling to believe. There's a big, big difference. And we need to get this through our heads that that's not what this verse is talking about. See, a person who doubts, they're like tossed by the winds, like waves are in the sea. It's tossed by the winds. They're, they're just unstable. It's talking about people that have loyalty that is divided between God and the world. It's like, okay, I see what God is saying. I got this worldly wisdom over here, and I am in control, and I'm going to call the shots here. Again, I'm ignoring that I need a bigger perspective, which wisdom gives me. I'm ignoring the fact that, um, that God offers me hope beyond this moment. I'm going to control this. I'm going to see this through. And that person becomes very unstable. They have divided loyalties. They hear the truth, but they don't let it sink into their heart. And because of that, they have knowledge and no understanding and no hope. 
because it doesn't sink in deep enough to make a difference. They're unstable in all they do, James 1.8 says. Their loyalty is divided. The truth is, there's not much Jesus can do for a person who insists on their own knowledge. It's like, the way I see things is the way I see things, God. There's possibly no information that, that I don't have already. I got it all. There's not a lot God can do for somebody that figures, you know, that they have it all figured out. Your faith really doesn't have much value to you. Because after all, you got it taken care of. There's not much Jesus can do for a person who relies on their own abilities. It's like, God, I know what's going on and I got it. I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to remain in control. I'm going to rely on my own strength, my own wisdom, my own ability. I'm going to protect my own heart. There's not a whole lot Jesus can do because there's no room for him in your life. He's just words on a page, information in your head. There's also not much Jesus can do for the person who refuses his help. You know, where God says, hey, wisdom would be, you know, come to me and cast your cares on me in this time. It's like, nope, not going to do it. I'm not going to turn to you. I'm not going to come to you. Listen, there's not much God can do for a person that doesn't want to receive help, right? See, wisdom gives us clarity to see past all of this stuff. The clarity is, I can trust God. I, I may not understand him fully. I may not have all of the information right. I don't even know how to sort my feelings out. But the one thing I'm sure of is that I can ask God in faith. And he says that I won't be unstable. That I can find something to hold on to when the wind blows and the waves come. I'm not tossed about because I'm not going to let myself be divided, separated from the only person who can truly help. See, the truth is, Jesus doesn't just want to offer you advice and say good luck. He wants to be a constant companion. See, wisdom is tied exclusively, the wisdom of God is tied exclusively to the person and character of God. <clears throat> the reason God doesn't give you an answer is you take that information, you understand it how you want to understand it, and then you live, you move on. God sent you an email, sent you a text, here's what you should do, have fun. Hope it works out for you. Wisdom is explicitly tied to Jesus and his character. And the reason that religion is so destructive is that religion is, here's the information, hope it works out for you, live up to the creed and the standard, everything will be fine, except it's never fine. God came down to say, that's not what I intended at all. I created you. I mean, Adam and Eve got to talk with me and see me and hear my voice. They got to spend time with me. And through the Holy Spirit, you, you can spend time with me. You can hear my voice. You can interact with me. I, can, I want to be a part of your life. I want to give you resources and strength and, and life that you don't have in and of yourself. I want to become a well of something that exists within you that you can't make exist for yourself, that nothing in this world will help you uh, embrace or, or find. God offers us himself. That's salvation. It's life. It's not, I want to take you from being a bad person to a morally upstanding good citizen who always votes conservative. 
which, as we know, can be corrupt. God's like, I want to dwell within you. I want to be your God. I want you to be my child. I want you to feel me grieve. I want you to feel me squelched when you push me out of your life. I want you to have the relational dynamics that you experience in life with people. And I want you to know the joy that comes when you just rest and trust and listen. This is the offer of Christianity. Not a list, not a bunch of rules, but a simple offer to have your relationship with God renewed, for you to move from spiritual death to spiritual life, to not knowing who God is or being able to hear His voice or respond to Him, to being actively able to hear and listen and walk with God. That's salvation. That's what God wants to give us. And with that comes everything that's a part of Him, which is wisdom. So the question is, will we ask, will we trust, and will we walk with Him? Wisdom gives us a bigger perspective. Let's ask for it. Wisdom gives us hope beyond the moment. Will we trust Him? Wisdom gives us stability and, and clarity. Will we walk with Him? That's the desire of God's heart.